0: You're listening to the Blender Institute podcast, brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Are you sacking pants overloaded with coins? Buy a belt or join the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. Joining us today is Pablo Vasquez. Hola. Francesco City. Hello. Andy Goraltier.
1: Hello there. Sibrin Stubel. Hello. And I'm Healthy Homeson. Here's your host,
0: Francesco. Okay.
1: Hello. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Blender Institute podcast. Today is a very special day because uh, we are going to talk about something we have been mentioning in the past podcasts for several weeks. So it's finally it's out there. It's <laughs> sunny, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, uh, it's something that we are going to talk about. What's the uh, in the second part of our podcast, which is uh, Caminandes VR, the Caminandes VR demo. So let's just put it out there. That's one of our main topics. Next to this, we are going to talk about the community news uh, with Pablo, bringing us together the freshest things happening in the community and uh, the updates in the Blender cloud. The texture system has been uh, improved and is better than ever. Then we move on to the studio news. Uh, There is uh, some new character on the cloud for the agent project and uh, much more. So let's get down to it with Pablo and the community news.
2: Right, community news. Well, well, actually, I'm going back to you because last week we mentioned that you were not here, and I had to host this thing. It was so hard. <laughs> you have to, you have to actually talk and uh, introduce stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were, you were out. You were packing your motherland.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. I was in Sicily. It was uh, really cool. I was in Catania. It's a beautiful city in Sicily to give a, a Blender workshop, uh, mostly about animation organized by the local hackerspace together with the university. And uh, it was really nice. It was a rather small workshop. It was very focused. And uh, I had a lot of fun to talk about Blender and the animation pipeline and uh, just answer questions. Then I visited the university and the Art Academy to give a couple of uh, like presentations about Blender and about the movies that we made, about Caminandes and uh, Cosmos. Unfortunately, the projection facilities over there—they are not so good. So, oh. I spared uh, Cosmos in both cases because there was just so much light and everything was so shifted towards green Uh-oh. that Uh-oh. I thought, no, I it wouldn't—it wouldn't make it justice. But Caminando's works because yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so bright that no like you just see, oh, it looks like somebody put a filter on it, but it still works fine. But. In Cosmos, you just wouldn't be able to get immersed in this like tiny square projected on the wall. But um, but everybody really liked and connected with the with the film. They had lots of questions about like how we do it and-
2: uh, Which we don't know, actually. We're still, we're still yeah, figuring out how to exactly,
1: do, do it. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, for, for students it's really inspiring to see like, oh, this stuff is really all done with Blender, yeah. So so
0: the the crowd there, the students, so what were the
1: ages and uh, what, uh, kind
0: of, what kind of, like,
1: what were they studying? Yeah, no, it's like a university level, so yeah. like, a, you know, late 20s, uh, 20s, 20s, late 20s, right, cool. so something like that. So it's people who all got an introduction in Blender because the university and the academy there, they really push Blender. So they have a whole course. Nice. So it was wow. like a class of uh, 50. And in total, there are more than 100 students <laughs> that get uh, trained with Blender. And then I was watching the lecture and they were learning how to texture and they all have Blender there and they unwrap and wow. they put the, the, the vertices around and do UV mapping and everybody's learning. And it's so cool to see that like I imagine most of the schools you know giving training with proprietary software and uh, having you know you have to get the software and install it and then at home you cannot use it and uh, and then it was done with blender, so everybody had their laptop and they were yeah. doing it. It was really good to see that there is a lot of people learning computer graphics with it, and uh, yeah, so and everybody good. had Italian
0: versions of blender
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, but the training was in Italian, so like oh. yeah, you have all that the. Uh, yeah all the actions in italian and it was (laughs) funny also to see i haven't seen that in a while so but it was great so it was a great experience i'm happy i was there i'm happy to be back it was the first time they ever
3: uh start they ever did something in cg in blender or
1: yeah yeah like the the course is an introduction so people start with basically knowing nothing and they end up uh, they go out and did you like did it look like people were understanding
3: because i mean there's the, the 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 always a complaint about the the user interface that it's not intuitive and not easy to learn. How did they
1: deal with that? Yeah, they use like the most default things with the right click select and the default <laughs> interface. Oh. Everything default, and well they done. just learn it and they do it step by step. And mm-hmm. it's uh, of course a lot of credit has to be given to the trainers and to the teachers who really design the course so that is done in good steps. so they actually can see, repeat and learn. Mm-hmm. many times until they are able to do it themselves but even when i was doing the workshops uh, mon- most of the students they were coming from uh, that basic training and uh, they just knew their way around how, mm-hmm. to, how to navigate everything was uh, natural to them cool. nobody complains about it
2: yeah from so. my experience teaching usually people that complain is people that already used other 3d software and right, yeah. they come from a background but if you start from scratch most people get it at mm-hmm. least uh, the the right click and uh, the weird interface.
0: Um. I'm totally imagining an Italian uh, Catholic school where, like, if you if you started writing with your left hand, they slap you with oh, a ruler.
1: Come on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, like a few
0: years have passed, but uh, yeah, <laughs> how
1: many hundred years? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so. W- what course or what study was it part of? and it-
1: Oh, it's like a, one is an art academy. So it's like they study art and media and digital media. And the other one was a, the university uh, of, um, you know, they do computer uh, graphics and, uh, and co- computer science. Sorry, it's more like computer science and media. And uh, so Blender is there at the beginning of their training. So they get an idea of how it uh, how it works, like cool. how, how a real tool works before they actually start learning yeah. computer graphics uh, Yeah, in terms of computer science. So it's really cool because, uh, it was two very different audiences, right? I was really very technically minded, technically focused and the questions were really a lot about like the software and the technical challenges. And in the art academy, it was more about the art. How do you get to do all that art and things that look nice in Blender? So it was, uh, yeah, so those were the, the things.
2: Cool. So next. Releases Blend for Web, this awesome open source platform for uh, interactive online 3D experiences. Got a new release this uh, this week, uh, cool. 16.05. So uh, among the main things they release is a uh, it's a user interface to set up head mounted displays. So cool, VR cool. stuff, yeah, it's so hot right now, <laughs> all <laughs> yeah. over the place. And for setting up game pads too. Uh, so they made an interface for that. There's a new API for replacing images. During runtime, so you can replace images and uh, new additions to the logic editor, materials in the library, and a bunch of optimizations and things that you can see on their blog. Uh, this link on the description, so congratulations to to blend for web yeah congrats uh, yeah they 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 gave a talk last year at the blender conference and it was pretty pretty fun to see. Yeah. it's amazing i don't even know where to start well mm-hmm.
4: if if we ever decide to remove the blender game engine from blender be. i i think that this is a pretty good uh replacement yeah i mean it just plugs into blender it's very easy to use it it's has, an
2: add-on even, yeah. so you can just don't know blender game engine okay just don't use the add-on
4: yeah <laughs> so add-ons.
2: yeah exactly um it's amazing what they're doing I, yeah uh congratulations <laughs> and the last community well community news is uh, blender got a new domain blend.fund is Yay. just a basically just a link to make it easier for people to find the development fund this yeah. this uh, monthly subscription that you can get in order for the blender foundation to hire full-time developers or uh, have part-time developers or as right now there're nearly uh, no there are 3 developers that are almost full-time So if you join, then Blender Foundation can hire more people to get uh, fixes and releases and all of the boring parts. And yeah. some fund development too.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's important to mention that the development fund is there to ensure the continuity of the Blender project. So not a lot of new development happens there because development doesn't happen in a sterile environment with the three developers uh, on their desk writing the software that we do more in the studio and thanks to the cloud. But of course, a lot of people are using Blender and finding problems in their own productions and uh, The Blender Development Fund is there so that they can be supported via the open source project. So that then the fixes that the developers make for those issues, they go back in Blender and the whole worldwide community can benefit. So if you use Blender in your own productions, you should definitely consider at least a symbolic subscription to the Development Fund because it's really what makes Blender work in the long term for everybody. So that is really cool.
2: Yeah, and makes it stable and it makes sure that the releases are coming out because bug fixes probably are not the most fun part <laughs> and yep. somebody has to do it. But uh, there are also the, some of that money also goes to new development, like the Alembic is the latest grant uh, by the Blender de- Development Fund. So it's, um, it's both sides. You get fixes and you get new stuff as well. And uh, it doesn't really need... It's, it's a huge amount of money. There is like a five euro per yeah, month. Yeah, there is all ranges. All ranges. You yeah. can go there. You can even... If you have a company or a studio and you have a higher uh, um, subscription level, you can even put your... your company there, there. Yeah, your, your company link. name and yeah, your link even <clears throat> to your... So you can show it often. Be proud. Tell your friends, hey, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, mom. <laughs> 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 um, so that's it with the, with the community news. Now more towards the blender development news this week we had julian we had um severin in in the blender development community julian eisel eisel (laughs) julian eisel julian (laughs) (laughs) on a two-day sprint here at the blender institute he came on uh, sunday and then monday morning he was already here all day pretty much talking with don about the layer manager his project on this summer of code and we talked about it during lunch and in the afternoon and every all day and the day after tuesday also we talked about it and there's some really good stuff coming out of there um, the layer system in blender needs complete why more than
3: 10 dots you yeah. need at least 20 dots we have 20 dots uh. You need 30 dots. <laughs> and that's how...
2: <laughs> so Julian's going to spend the summer adding 10 more dots.
1: Well, wow, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> no, not really. Uh, the, there is it's such a huge project Like you, you say, okay, we need layer, uh, a number of layers, uh, or like... Named layers, uh, Named. I guess. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. But that's one part of it. And then, okay, we want unlimited layers. Okay. And then you want uh, for the viewport and then for the render layers. And then group layers and nested
3: layers and what happens with the render layers and the lights for example that's what we talked about for yeah
2: while. We, we discussed it and yeah
3: are lights allowed to be on what what is the influence of a light is it does it always affect all the layers or how do you how do you control light
2: yeah do you have a master layer where actually everything there will be seen everywhere and then you have individual layers for like characters and
0: yeah. I don't know. It's such a huge topic. They so, about that's a really that. good point. I didn't, I didn't even. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's true because we have already this system in place that ensures that you choose which layers it's going to affect and which layers it's going to be affiliated with. Yeah. But with this kind of notion of like a photoshop layer system yeah you, you would be able different. to do that. yeah is different totally different i
1: was also thinking today about the fact that if you stack layers vertically so you can have as many as you want that's great and i was thinking of one of our biggest conventions that we have here when working of uh because the layers are distributed horizontally in groups of two one on top of the other and we put like the character on top and the rig in the bottom or the other way around, as Hialti prefers. <laughs> yeah. <As a> <laughs> hate
0: <laughs> so <it's> gonna hate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when the files go to the rendering department, <laughs> that's <laughs> how they are. But anyway, so we have them separate like that. So there is this really this vertical relation. And then you see that we put the characters maybe on one layer uh, each. Yeah. And if you start piling them up vertically, that thing is not really possible in the same way anymore. So you have to find out another way to do it so.
2: yeah or use nesting yeah exactly you use like all the rigs and all the rig helpers and stuff you put them in a group or layer group again yeah, yeah definitely the layer <clears throat> character and the layer character inside a layer
1: seen or so yeah it becomes a lot of nesting so it can yeah. extend a lot but then it also like it goes into dimensions and yeah. uh yeah so it's a it's very challenging and we hope that he's gonna publish some documentation like some uh, design proposal soon
2: from what it can be i do mentioned that on, on twitter that he was going to prepare some docs for that soon which would be great so far there is a branch for this there it, it's on some git so you can get it even Right now, it's just mainly just setting it up. It's a new editor for the time being. It said it, might, it could be part of the outliner at some point. But for the time being, it's just a new editor with some uh, UI little details to add and replace. But it's just a placeholder for what is going to be there. Cool. So yeah, pretty exciting. That's a huge project. We even mentioned about the workflow part, like mixing it with the viewport yeah. so for visibility and everything. That is another huge thing. I hope uh, it happens. It will happen. Of course it will happen. Yeah. 2.8. 2.8. Yeah. <laughs> More development news on working progress stuff. Uh, this time, again, Daniel Martinez Lara made an amazing...
4: Oh, bastard. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Too this talented. Is, It's mm. not
2: news anymore. Come on. Now, the news is that the the, the grease Pencil is getting an upgrade. Not an update, mm-hmm. but an upgrade, actually, uh, with version number two. This is being worked on by Antonio Ya and Yoisha Long. Again, Allegorith. this awesome team of developers, plus Daniel Martinez-Lara doing all the, the, the testing. He's bringing up some uh, awesome features like you can now. Uh, actually, Hilti, you mentioned the other day, can you parent a stroke to a object? Now you can.
0: Now you can? Now yes. You can. Wow. yes. Wow, OK, nice. So you can finally do that. Yeah when I started uh, playing around a little bit with the Grease Pencil, I, I thought I had seen um, um, like them in Pepperland do something like that. I just vaguely kind of remembered it, but no, they were to-
4: totally doing it manually. Yeah. But this is a game changer then. Yeah. Totally. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Then you can combine that with empties being tracked from video. Oh, yeah. And then you can get your Grease Pencil overlay over your reality. Your Damn. reality. yeah. <laughs> that is wow. awesome.
2: In real time. Oh, no, what? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll plan for web, yeah. because they one of the news is that also they make it easier for webcams to be available in the game. Cool. So plan for web. The next step is to get the uh, expensive <laughs> in there. Yeah,
4: Imagine. and motion tracking.
2: And motion. <laughs> wow! Wow! Whoa. Whoa. Whoa.
4: That that's going to be heavy, I think. Yes. Wow!
2: Don't don't tell the Sergey. He will go like, oh, this is gonna make it. This piece of crap. <laughs> I make it fast in <laughs> real time. <laughs> And yeah, amazing test is on the description. You're gonna check it. is a uh, It's called Feud Samurai." It's an animation that uh, Daniel did based on, uh, uh, on a on an original animation by Renato Roldan. Renato Roldan with many others. Oh, wow! More animation updates this time by Aligoris again. Uh, also, I don't know how much time he <laughs> how many, how long are his days or something because he also worked. Not only on the grease pencil stuff, but also on two new uh, tools for animation are Post Sculpt and Post Sketch. He posted this video on YouTube uh, showing how you can sketch a pose easily, easier. It, yeah, it's in an easy way. I, I'm looking at Hialti right now. Mm-hmm. I guess you're more of the kind that prefer to actually move the bones instead of.
1: So everybody was going nuts, yeah, yeah. and everybody was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, and then I was like, Kjelty, you gotta check this out. Mm. Then... <laughs> yeah, disappointment. No! was like... <laughs> it,
0: w- it wasn't disappointment, but it was that uh, like perplexity. That that was my facial expression. Just like, I foresee problems like, by using this. But it offers solutions, but those solutions also have problems. <laughs> and I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, the conflicted look on Chelsea's yeah. face, it was yeah. emblematic.
0: Yeah. yeah, so the, the and of course, uh, bear in mind, I have not tested this, so I'm not even sure if this is an issue, but it, it sounds like, and it looks like it it's, um, it's like a handy, clever thing just to do one pose, but then I wonder how it works with interpretation of like doing a pose, going 10 frames, and then another one. Uh, because you, uh, you usually, if you freestyle it in that way, you get these weird quirks where yeah. um, an arm might rotate the wrong way, like the long way around, until it hits the right position, and then you have to start counter animating because this thing is just not doing what it's supposed to do. So that, like, that's usually the reason why you you um, stop doing things freestyle because you, it, like things every now and then just totally break. So you start relying on just using that damn gimbal, that rotation gimbal thing widget. Yeah, that's I don't want to be a negative Nancy. (laughs) It looks cool, though. Yeah, we have to try it out. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also just for sketching and and maybe it doesn't work best for complex characters, but maybe for.
0: Yeah, that's that's another thing. Um, Like if you have, I don't know, a character that's kind of a snake. Maybe this is like brilliant for that. And then you have another character that's kind of pudgy doesn't have like weird thin um, limbs then yeah. all of a sudden it's like kind of hard to do this yeah but uh, there were some tools
2: that were not only just like drawing and following the line but there was one for um for smoothing the yeah uh, it's like uh like the smooth brush and sculpt so that was that was pretty cool yeah.
1: and what i liked the most was really in, uh, actually the the part where you can select a chain of bones and then give it a direction with yeah. a stroke that i think uh, overall like is it makes things really fast especially maybe for overlapping actions and those kind of things so you just draw the line. Of course, if you are really animating it, then you want to be precise and you want to see how the curve looks like in the graph editor. Yeah. But just for the pose, I think it, uh, that, that just saves you time. So if you want to make a pose and you want to see how it looks in the different direction, you select select and then swipe your brush and yeah. you got the pose and then you can adjust it. So
0: Let, let's say you did this uh, like in three quarters. Yeah. Like, is it now doing that in two different axes? And then when you go like 10 frames later, and you do it again, but from a slightly different angle because yeah. you were like ah, rotating yeah, then it cruel, I guess Yeah, like are you, are you yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah. No, no, it's
2: oh, a... <laughs> <boring>. <laughs> Yeah, it's looking for travel. If you do yeah. animate in one view and then animate 10 frames later from another view yeah, using yeah. a tool that depends on the view, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: then it's like, well, I mean, of course.
1: Yeah. You called it, chalty. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and but that's essentially like how I work a lot of the times, like, uh, you know, making sure that you're doing a pose and then Like looking at it from maybe different angles, just to be sure I'm not, you know, it's not crazy breaking the the overall three-dimensional pose. So it kind of looks fine in the from the camera point of view. And then I go to the next pose and start working on that one. And you know, yeah. Now my view. Yeah, but then you wouldn't use the
2: view-based tools, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's just for sketching, you just use one view, I guess. Totally. Otherwise, or maybe there is an option to not move the root rotation of the, like the the W of the of the root and then just keep.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't know. Anyway, this is working progress. Uh, um, Allegory has posted it on YouTube.
0: The link is on the description. Joshua, you're going doing great work, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, don't want, I don't want to be a negative Nancy in the corner. Oh, no. Like,
2: <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's amazing. I think yeah. it's, it's pretty. It's promising. really cool. And that plus the widget uh, project by Julian, also my interesting yeah totally so that's uh, it for the
1: community news that's cool so maybe we can talk a bit about the Blender cloud in particular Mm. well well, there
2: was an an announcement on monday the blog post got a bit uh, over uh, oh yeah the texture thing yeah yeah yeah
3: Yeah, that's fine it's not a big well it's big what did you do Andy spent
2: like the whole day uploading stuff
3: no it was uh, the last monday as well (laughs) two days (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah, so yeah, we up updo- uh, we updated uh, textures on the cloud. We added more textures. We had uh, two amazing contributions: one by Gleb Alexandrov, and one by, by Lek
1: Shokolovsky. All right, I always forget his name. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
3: um, and yeah, they're basically Gleb gave us this collection of awesome door pictures that he took. Uh, I think from his hometown. So they're really cool. grungy and gritty and spray painted all over. And
0: <laughs> He lives in a bad neighborhood. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was my first reaction. <laughs> yeah, it looks so cool. Yeah, so yeah. you can project it. You can uh, make it. You can do anything. Use it as background textures, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, Lech. Yeah, he, Meg, uh yeah. like he gave us uh, this huge, vast collection of bricks. So cool. So, so, many, many different types of
0: bricks.
2: How many? Just give it a
3: hundred. and Like over a hundred, I think. Wow. We got all
0: kinds of bricks. Big bricks, small bricks, long (laughs) bricks. You got everything. How many? One brick, two bricks? bricks.
3: That's true. And not only like every brick pattern has a a color map, a displacement map, normal, no, sorry, a bump map. ID. And an ID map, which is uh, really handy if you want to give Uh, Bricks different colors based on their pattern. Oh, no way. So that is five
2: maps, 100 textures. So it's 500 new.
3: Yeah, and I have to upload those one by one, one, Mm, which
4: is why. (laughs) Which is why there is a nice. After Andy was done, (laughs) uh,
1: (laughs) just waited for it. (laughs) Yep.
4: Uh, We fixed the the uploading of textures so that you can actually upload multiple maps at the same time. So you can just yeah, (laughs) and you can drag and drop them again. So you can just drop a color map, click the add new button, drop a specular map, click the add new button, or click the add new file button four times if you want five maps and then drag and drop them all on there.
3: That's so awesome. Yeah. That that took a while to also to ensure that everything is marked in the right way because I have to mark them as displacement map, as ID map, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
4: What what we want to do in the future is to have one area where you can Drop multiple files simultaneously. Yeah, and then based on the the file name, see if we can guesstimate which uh, type they are. That would be amazing. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that would be. That's the next step. Maybe yeah. soon-ish. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> next Monday. Well,
4: I'm I'm now in my <laughs> new contract period, so that oh, means it's June. Uh-huh. yeah, it's June. So that means I only work three days a week instead of four. So subscribe to the cloud <laughs> if you want to you get more development. Get and faster, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> then I can go back to four days a week again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> save Zebrin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So but uh, it's, um, uh, we think that this is really important to get uh, out there sooner than later, because it, everyone who is making their own uh, texture libraries will benefit. Yes. So we really see that the workflow there can be improved, and uh, then if you have your own Texture maps, you can just uh you can just drop all the files there and then have them in your own texture yeah. collection. So we think it's important to get it out there. Yeah.
4: And maybe we can even add one more layer of automation that if you upload a zip somewhere with a directory protector and then in there the correctly named files, yeah. Then we can just generate those textures all in one go. Yeah. That would be really awesome.
3: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of texture, so we have uh, over a hundred bricks. We have fabric textures. We have a new concrete category, so we have oh. new concrete maps. Cool. Uh, we have more metal textures as well,
1: and we have wood, right? Is there some wood textures no as wood well? There no? yet. Okay. No, okay. Okay.
2: Let's just go get. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Be right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. actually, yeah, it's not a bad idea. There's plenty of wood here in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah Yeah, every like almost every morning i come here to the institute i uh, like on the bike i see lots of interesting surfaces that i I want to take uh pictures of and uh add Mm -hmm. them to the library so at some point i might might have some
4: time (laughs) to now (laughs) that is easier yeah yeah i'm also working uh on shooting panorama photos um i i've done that for a long time already as a hobby and I'm now looking at producing HDR panoramas from that. Wow. So as EXR files, so maybe sometime in the future, we can actually go outside in Amsterdam and shoot HDRI panoramas. Nice. Nice.
2: Wow, that would be great. Yeah. So we can remake A Tears of Steel.
0: Yes. (laughs) Wait, that happens in Amsterdam? Uh, What? uh, What? uh, Amsterdam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that's, uh, that's cool. So more development on the Blender Cloud coming soon and also an update on the blog post we published uh, more than a month ago now about our plans. So when we were announcing pr- private projects, when we were announcing the texture library and uh, everything else. So there will be an update coming together with our uh, newsletter that is also coming soon because it's a new month. So we always send an update to our subscribers and everyone about what is uh, coming and what uh, happened in the past month. So then, uh, yes. Talking about our subscribers, uh, I've been working with Ton on
4: upgrading the store, which contains all the subscriptions and and everything. Um, So if you're listening to this and there's something going wrong with your subscription, just let us know, we'll fix it. Uh, We've lost a few subscribers due to some issues with uh, data migration because we upgraded uh, subscription plugin. So, yeah, if, if you're unsure if it works, so just drop me a line, send me an email, and we'll figure things out.
2: Yeah, or support at blender.org.
4: Yeah, that um, always works.
2: But yeah, we lost a few. So maybe you can go check, go to the cloud at blender.org mm-hmm. and check if, you, if it's active or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then uh, let's talk about the studio. So Ooh. there is a development with the agent project. I heard. From the last, uh, from the previous podcast, that uh, some new character was being worked on during the past week for the agent. So, yeah. Andy, what well, happened? Well, out of
3: the blue, last Monday there was, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was the, the, there was this thing that popped up. Hey, let's uh, instead of working with three characters that we have, let's just add one more character because it would be way too easy <laughs> to finish stuff in time for Annecy. So, uh, we decided to add the most difficult characters uh, of them all, which is, uh, uh, Olga Lavina, which is the, the, the agent's, uh, sort of, uh, counterpart. Counterpart. counterpart yeah. Partner. Older, yeah. Companion. yeah. It's a a no, 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 it's a companion. not a companion. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she's an, she's an agent Remember? from huh? Switzerland
0: Yeah, mm.
3: and, uh, she's really difficult, um, in, in certain ways. <laughs> How
0: tall is she? Mm. She's
3: very tall. So she's a, supposed to be 10 meter... Uh, 10 meter. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: <laughs>
3: not that tall. <laughs> 2 meters 10. I was thinking about the, the, the digits after that. Yeah. Okay. So so 2 meters 10. So she's quite tall. Yes. There's people that tall around here in Amsterdam, especially. It's not that common. But also, like... In the comics, it looks it tends to look ridiculous sometimes because I mean she's huge and yep. the agent is just a normal, regular sized human being.
4: Yeah. How, how tall is he? Uh, or 180. 180, 180, something. Think. Oh, that's yeah. even smaller than average Dutch. That's uh, four centimeters smaller than average.
0: Yeah, that's He's, that's without the hairdo. So the hairdo helps yeah, out a little yeah. bit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and Olga, this is with or without heels? Um, this is
3: without heels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we we might have to look at. Uh, I mean, we didn't rig her yet. We didn't animate her yet. So last week I I started blocking out the the mesh and everything because um, yeah, it's extremely dif- uh, difficult and different from like we're taking a, a different approach with this interpretation of her um, in a way that we're going for. Like the whole universe that we're going for is more um, believable in a sense than a straight comic book adaptation would be where every character is really a cartoon and is an exaggeration. So we are really trying to stress the fact that these are real characters and uh, we can relate to them.
0: I guess uh, another word for it is they're a little bit more grounded. So the design and overall choices are just a little bit more grounded. Yeah, exactly. And even within the comic books, there's a lot of I mean, they were made over a period of decades. So even within that, there's a lot of variety going on in the style.
3: Yeah. So that was the next thing. next thing I was going to say, like uh, over the years, her character changed as well. She got more boobs uh, for some reason. At least five more. <laughs> Anti gravity boobs. Something. Yeah. So, something is wrong with my language. <laughs> thingy today in my in my head. I can't talk. Anyway, so yeah, she has a, a slightly larger uh, breasts, breasts. Yeah, in that. in the latest uh, installments of the comics, and uh, we that was just a bit too cliche and a bit too sexist. And uh, it would also be really difficult to animate. I mean, because...
4: uh (laughs) Yeah, said, nobody knows how balloon uh, breasts. It's been a, a while movement. since I've
0: seen any. No, I have
4: no oh. just,
2: just give it to Juan
1: Pablo. Yeah. Make a different
2: lembrick <laughs> for each move. <laughs>
1: the 10, amount of jokes ounce. that Shelt has been cracking out regarding this topic, you guys cannot even imagine. So, this is just a taste. This is nothing. So, moving on. Anyway, so we're trying,
3: so we're really trying to make her a, a more believable, relatable character and, uh, um, and that's difficult, and uh, especially because she's also one of the main characters. I mean, she is probably more difficult to uh, to get right than the agent. I mean, the agent has this very particular squinty face that he's always ha- has. But um,
0: yeah, it's true. If you look at pictures of her, the face—it's. Um, I mean, I guess the cheekbones are a little bit extended, a little bit bigger, but yeah. she has this kind of perfect face. But within a cartoon, that means there's no there's no stuff there. There's no scar over her face or wrinkles or stuff like that. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of take things and, and blow them a little bit out of proportion or make it more real or do this or that if there's just nothing there.
3: Yeah. Exactly. So after two weeks, um, I'm I'm still bashing my head against the table because um, she looks great though. I, I, you know, it's, right now. Uh, thanks. I mean it's. It's getting somewhere. I, I but I think like we don't have her character nailed down perfectly yet. Mm. And it won't happen in the next two weeks. It will probably not happen in the next month or so. But uh we'll we'll find out as as we progress with this animation test.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah and posing too is like the T pose is is pretty well, it's a T pose of course, but then when you see the comic, she's usually like glan like She's having a special look that you don't have in the T-Pose. Like I don't know, yeah. the eye is half open, or like well, she also squints at some point. Yeah. Uh, there, there's this frame where they are both like squinting at each other. <laughs> like, like it's so weird. Yeah. So I guess with when you start posing it, you you will see her. Yeah, more.
3: I mean, uh, eyebrows much. are really important too. <laughs> I realize yeah. that. So yeah, when you're in the t- in, in a kind of non y kind of face. Yeah. That yeah. sounds really uh, professional. The way <laughs> I said <laughs> that.
2: <laughs> no, but the agent itself has a, such a special uh, expression on his face that we know him, and we already did an animation test, so we sort of know that it's not going to look like the T-pose. Yeah. So.
3: But at the same time, we were. Uh, I was also. I also had some problems while I was uh, modeling the agent, and I was modeling him in a neutral facial expression, and then Ton stood behind me like for for minutes, and there was this. This this doubt doubt radiating from (laughs) From him back. So uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to to get the character when you're in a neutral pose. So of course, while you're modeling, you have to kind of uh, squash it around and make some shape keys and try to get it in that uh, expression, Um, and then go back and tweak the mesh. And so that just takes a lot of iterations. And that's why naturally, after two weeks, you will not have a great. Character, you'll have something, you'll have topology at least. Yeah. Uh, you'll have some shaders and particles, but
2: what is it? <laughs> it? That's that's where they it, it uh, right where they yeah. come out. Yeah. But from, when you
0: say yeah, it, like you like instinctively, you get you get that squinty look. So that's yeah. kind of where it comes from <laughs> well, What is yeah. what? <laughs> It always reminds me of that meme from Inception of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he's having that conversation, and then the last picture is just him squinting. And that's that's always when I see the agent. That's always what I'm thinking about. Yeah.
3: So, but hopefully, in uh, let's say in a couple of months, we'll know what it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm very very positive. And that then we, know we will tell you yeah.
1: or not. Yes. Stay
0: tuned.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look for the episode. What
1: was it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would be. That would be great. Yeah, that's great. So, have you worked on? Uh, uh, I've seen that you started working on uh, texturing and shading, or you kept working on texturing and shading yeah. as well. So
3: So um, the plan is that in uh, less than two weeks we go to Annecy and we have an animation reel uh, and of. The agent with uh, awesome animations uh, intercut with the comic and uh, so we need to render the characters for that so they need to be presentable in some sort of way and uh, we need to have them textured so that's what i'm doing i'm applying a basic texturing pass over all the characters um yeah so now instead of just the agent and boris we have the agent olga and boris
2: and the barber guy.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, but we don't put the barber in the N.S.C. reel, which is
0: phew. Somewhere in the background, hey, it's yeah. me, the barber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember me on shows such as. Yeah.
4: A...
3: <laughs> yeah, so it's uh it's very very tight the deadline. Yeah. Um, and that yeah, uh, right now I did the agent suit. I'm gonna do the Boris Boris's coat next once he is rigged um, i think that will happen on friday the final pass and then by by tuesday hopefully we'll have all the characters sort of renderable and uh, by wednesday we need to have them rendered in a giant poster pose Mm -hmm. so we can print out large prints for the booth which need to be in the background because I mean, we're not just gonna stand there in front of a grey wall.
1: But as beautiful as we are,
0: mm.
3: we can't
1: can't afford. True, true. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, everybody was
1: nodding. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: And we need uh, business cards and all that kind of stuff. So we need to have something presentable, and uh, that needs to be ha- happening really, really fast.
1: So bring on the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So then I'd like to ask uh, Hjalti, Hello. Hi, how's it been uh, going with the animation? Because uh, uh, Andy mentioned a couple of animation for that reel, so can you tell us a bit more? How's it going? And it's it's
0: going fine. Um, mm-hmm. I am missing, of course, Boris, but uh, it's fine because I can work with the agent uh, so far, and the agent Rick, is looking really good. Really great job from Juan Pablo. Um, the the issue is also one of the bigger tasks is to try to make an edit out of it. So it consists of all these tiny little animations sprinkled or combined with all these slices of the comics. So we have kind of the source Mm -hmm. material. It's in your latest weekly folder if people want to check it out. Yes, on the cloud. On the cloud. (laughs) So you can check it out. Um, I think it has been updated a little bit this week. So Mm -hmm. I did work on it a bit. Um, Added even, so right now, I think the, the last week's edit had three different small segments of of 3d animation going on uh, or like uh, positions within the edit where mm-hmm. that should happen um and i think it was just over a minute long and this week i trimmed it down and actually added more slots for 3d animation and took away some of the original comics just because we want to have that balance of you know here's new stuff and here's the original source material and we want to kind of jump back and
1: forth between those two yeah, that's great. And uh, hopefully this uh, reel that you're working on will be public once it's done. So mm-hmm. then we, it will be very nice to see if- won't be made with any sound design
0: in mind or any music. So I do wonder when we actually publish it. Yeah. Well, what's gonna
1: happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> regarding that. Oh, yeah, but the, the animations that are there are really cool. So it would be great to see them in the context with the final lighting effect. and we can add some sound effects with we microphones have sound. and
4: recording bing, equipment. Bing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cat
1: sound. Okay, there you go.
4: <laughs> Beautiful <laughs>
1: Okay. So that's great. Um, I think that then uh, brings us to our last topic for today, which is... Hashtag. Hashtag VR. What are uh, we? Yeah, Awesome in space. (laughs) Yeah. So as mentioned in the opening, uh, we finally, finally uh, are able to announce the project, the VR-related project, we have been working on in the past months, uh, which is uh, Caminandes demo in VR. Uh, this uh, happened thanks to the support of the Google VR team. So that was our big partner while doing this production, and uh, they uh, asked us to keep the the production of uh, of the of the film on low for as long as it was not released and published. So now that it's there, we can uh, uh, finally share more details about it and uh, celebrate that achievement. (laughs) So so yeah, I'd like to uh, just make a little recap of uh, what happened and when it happened, so that then if uh, you guys listening to us have questions about it, and want us to talk more about VR we can do so in the upcoming <laughs> yeah. episodes of the of the podcast, but I mean we we
3: talked about VR while we were doing it, so definitely you might have realized this sudden uh,
1: interest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, so but like you know if you have uh, specific things specific questions, so anyway, just to give a little bit of uh, context uh, and then uh, hand it over to uh, mostly Kelty and Andy um, in, uh, uh, I think after the release of uh, Caminandes, we uh, started uh, discussing with uh, the Google VR team about the possibility of uh, experimenting with uh, what we just made, which was the Caminandes episode, in uh, in uh, and, and releasing a version of it in for VR, which uh, basically for Google means uh, YouTube 360 uh, stereo video that can be viewed with a Google Cardboard, which is their platform for uh, for distributing VR. And uh, we got uh, their interest uh, and they supported us uh, in uh, uh, several ways. Um, Most notably, they gave us, uh, well, they supported us in the production, like financially. And of course, they also uh, provided the rendering backend. So they gave us some computing power to render the high resolution images that come out of it. So after we made this deal, then we started the production and uh, we immediately had some uh, challenges and uh interesting um yeah interesting things to figure out for example how do you tell a story in vr and how do you transform what we had in our traditional 3d animation into something VR? and that's something that healthy started looking into because uh yeah he, he was uh, looking forward to it so, <laughs> so he dived immediately in that Yay. and uh, he discovered a lot of things so healthy can you tell us a bit more about the process how, yeah. how it went so we were aiming for 30 seconds uh, and the the most
0: viable section of the short film uh, seemed to be the, the opening shot because it's pretty stationary and it's already like 20 seconds or so. And it, everything that happens around it uh, up to the 30 second mark is like could hypothetically be told with like one narrative from one position. Uh, even though like it would never really capture all the story beats like there's just no way there there's always going to be something lost in translation. Uh, we tried some different variations where we were just testing out what uh, what about if we just allow the flow of the cut to be there so we just cut to another camera and um, in vR that doesn't work that great it didn't bother me, but a lot of people it does bother them <laughs> people with motion sickness I guess, <laughs> changing cameras all yeah, the time yeah yeah switching cameras up especially i can imagine if if this were a really if we had picked a moment that was really fast-paced like constantly uh cutting to another shot every you know a second or two then yeah, I, I would imagine that people would start to feel a bit woozy you know especially if you're like on the Train carts. Yeah, that's something we talked about, like the mine over the various. Yeah,
3: what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) and then I mean, if you're, if you can turn around. So if you're not turned towards the action, you would just see a cut, but for what reason? Yeah, exactly. That's also
0: one of the issues. If if you are within a, you're within a particular shot, and you have this 360 view, and you want to look a little bit to the side. Uh, that's when the trouble happens. Because if you're looking not exactly at where the where the main action is supposed to be, which essentially is where we focus the camera, um, because when a cut happens, it's cutting for that rhythm of the thing that happens that you look at. So if you look at, at the correct thing and you that cut happens, then it actually should, you know, it shouldn't be that bad. It should relatively help out a bit because, um, you know, the little penguin is... Running towards you, and then you cut, and he finishes his run in the next cut and it feels like it feels like oh, okay, it's a continuation, and I don't mind that you know i'm I'm right now at a different angle or whatever, but if you're looking anywhere else, which in a three sixty experience is, <laughs> there's a yeah. lot of else yeah. there's a lot of potential for people looking in the wrong direction,
2: <laughs> yeah, so you could have the we thought about having like a sound cue from one side, so okay, yeah. it makes you look that way. Or you just reset the, the view, like always make it, yeah. I don't know if it's even
1: possible. I don't think that's even possible. I no. Don't know. I don't. So I you would have to make an edit that works. At least you yeah. know that you always put the interesting content in a certain direction. So when the viewer starts looking at the content, they know, OK, the first thing happened here. Yeah. So then if you keep cutting and putting things there, then they are going to keep looking around that area. But yeah. you have to establish that. So depending on how long the video is and, uh, I mean, It was very interesting when we were looking into all these topics to see the little material that there is out there from other studios working on it. There Mm. are a few talks and presentations from, for example, the Oculus Story Studio, where they really dived into this kind of stuff. And it's uh, quite clear that still up to this uh, point, there is no fixed answer for it so yeah, really everybody's trying to figure things out so we tried as well and yeah, uh, it was totally. very very interesting so there is no real correct answer for this
0: yeah especially when you have a narrative that was never meant for this in particular yeah you know, exactly if, if, if we had been able to just make something from scratch of course like we you know there's no time there's no time there's no budget, no nothing so you know it is cool that we could take something that's an existing material that we already yeah. have and try to adjust it just as an experiment and and not try to do like the entire story because that would have been just a nightmare. Uh, But a section that kind of lends itself okay to it. uh, Yeah, it was was pretty interesting. And I think we learned a lot from it. Uh, But to be honest, like looking at all the different VR stuff that's out there. Yeah, it's true. Everybody's trying out their own solution. None of it is perfect. And it all totally depends on what the story you're trying to tell. So some of them are way too um, like on the nose with it. Like, you know, uh, a little you're in a dark forest and a, and a little what do you call it light, light. light fly yeah like a fire fly. firefly firefly uh, like flies past you goes hey look at me woo you know hey listen, yeah. hey, hey, listen. Hey, hey over there over buddy, there buddy <laughs>
2: yeah or or they just make the rest of the environment completely uninteresting yeah totally there's one of them where the, oh look at the left there's a dragon and, yeah. and then <laughs> yeah. you look a little bit more to the left and there's nothing yeah. Yeah. like a, a mud painting yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: well that's how we made it, sort of.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, you oh, still have things to good. look at, and you can you can look at Coral and look at the the rails, and still have some room. But this one was like completely focused on mm. one thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There is uh, another topic, also like this, is more technical. Um, still with uh, with Halti that uh, once we figured out how to put uh, this sequence together, so once we decided what action we wanted to have, then. We actually had to do it. So, yes, this uh, sequence in the original edit was composed of multiple shots. So, mm-hmm. how did you bring them together so that they would work from one new camera angle?
0: So the question is: Hey, could I just place a camera there, hit play, and it's fine? Yes. No, the answer is no. No, no. no really not. So, um, so to be fair, I think there are there are some there there are some animation there that was reused, of course. I mean, we t- I tried to salvage as much of the original animation as possible. I would say none of it is totally untouched. Uh, everything needed on some level That's to be... Especially
2: the part where Cora runs like a half yeah. a oh, kilometer and then he has to run
0: five meters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because in the original, uh, you have this edit going on where they're, we're cutting back and forth between him running and the train tracks. Now, in order to do that, it's actually two parallel timelines happening. I mean, this is like editing one-on-one uh, where you're kind of cheating time a little bit, but then if you're there and you're in real time, then there is no cheating back and forth. So, you know, he only needed to run like 10 meters and he could do it within two seconds or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So in that given speed. So by running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, walk there. <laughs> Just walk there casually. <laughs> there's no, you know, there's no rush at all. So yeah, that entire thing had to be re-coordinated uh, also if the train track is too far, uh then we don't we, see yeah, we don't see the yes, penguin being on the train other, track. Yeah. And I think we're we're already a little bit on the yeah, edge. Totally. It. Like you can barely see it. What,
3: what does he do there? I mean
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had
3: to you had to scale up the berry. Yeah. I think twice or so. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: And, to see it? Yeah. and I think I, I I mean I was doing I mean you should have seen the the kind of A4 piece of paper I had on my desk with all the different calculations regarding like Okay, Coro taking a step, uh, the distance, and then multiply that by the time, and then how far away could the train track be, in order for him to uh, like arrive at that particular point, and and then like the field of view, when do we kind of lo- start losing that it's a penguin, or losing that it's a train track, like how far yeah. away? Yeah. And according to the calculation, if I remember correctly, uh, the distance that we have now. It's like, I don't know, nine Blender Units or something. Yeah. Like it. it wasn't that crazy. Something like that, yeah. But it should have been like seven times that distance. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like easily, because Koro mm-hmm. was running really fast and it took a while because of all the cutting back and forth. So yeah, we had to cheat a lot of stuff. I had to, um, all the animation that I could grab from it was you know great, of course, but um, it was all in different animation files, so it's not like it's this one scene. It's all set up only for that one point of view, which is totally different from what what we have now. And then, uh, yeah, every single like if anything's out of frame, it's not it's almost not animated or like it doesn't it doesn't look that great. And even even within that, because stuff is cheated, if you look at it from any other angle, it looks horrific. yeah, field of like the eye lines are of course way off, and and even like the position of them from one shot to another. All of a sudden, they they pop
1: into yeah. a totally different <clears throat>
0: position just because the camera angle could justify it. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be readjusted, and in in a lot of cases, just reanimated from scratch. Which uh, is, <laughs> I mean,
1: that was. So much joy. <laughs> yeah. Like you,
0: you do it and you're working on it and it's like, man, if I do my job, nobody's going to
1: know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we were talking about it. Like, oh, what did you do this week? Yelty? And you're like, I animated. The yeah. thing I animated previously, but from another angle. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of uh, handwork. Like you can yeah. simply reuse. Uh, because yeah, at the beginning you would think, yeah, you can just, you know, you have all the animation, you have all the content, but to actually make it work well from the new angle. Yeah, surprise, yeah. you actually have to work for it
0: totally and even getting the uh, all the penguins to kind of slide past and making sure that they're not they're sliding in an interesting way at a particular speed and going just past coral but also like doing these like jumps and all that i mean it's a, it really it's it's so fast when it happens but i made sure that every single one of them has their own thing going on as the sliding happens and of course once they go past they don't disappear like you see where they're coming from, and of course, yeah. where they end up. So you have to kind of keep animating them all <laughs> no. the way down that damn hill you know? <laughs> until I finally just made them take a right turn behind a blob of wall, and I was like, okay, Andy will take care of this. This will be a mountain or something. I don't know. I don't. I just don't want to be one. You know, thinking about them anymore.
1: Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, that uh, there is uh, a lot that um, uh, happened also when we were trying to preview this in, uh, in the animation. So during the production, we were joined uh, here in the studio by Joey Ferberta, and he was also here in the, in the podcast a couple of times. And uh, during that time, also Julian Julian Isolo came by and uh, they were working together, um, bringing some of the work that the line made for a real-time viewport in HeadMounters Displays uh, for Blender uh, to us, so that we could also try and experience uh, working in uh, uh, VR from the viewport. And uh, some attempts were made and uh, uh, quite a bit of development happened, but uh, I would say that we are not really there yet. So, yeah. mm-hmm. in the timeline of uh, which we did the production, we had the chance to test the material, but then we actually went on with the production. And uh, there was still some work to do, so yeah. then they kept working. It was on it.
3: amazing, though. I mean, yeah, uh, they they had the Oculus here, and uh, first we tested out uh, with the uh, with the add-on uh, in written in Python, and then I think uh, during one night or two night, Julian programmed it in C, and then it was like sixty times faster yes, or so. <laughs> so that was just amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, no, the guys uh, did uh, really something something cool, and we hope that in the end. It will be in, uh, in master, like it's uh, supposed to happen very soon. There are just uh, some tweaks and some code review that has to happen. But uh, it it has definitely a lot of potential. So having them on board for the project and being able to see how it would work in a real production file that is not the, <laughs> the, the you know really fast game setup with uh, light textures and yeah. uh, uh, simplified models, but actually the shot of Caminandes with all the characters and all the rigs and everything. Yeah, had...
0: This this file that I was working on it was so heavy. Yeah, it was incredibly heavy. I mean,
1: imagine
0: um, you got you got Coral, you got the penguin. Yeah, like the that. the baby penguin, the Otte, and then you got, I think it was up to like ten or eleven yeah. different penguins, yeah. also, and they all have like not the lightest rig ever. I mean, it's not insanely heavy, but just having like three of them, um, you could really feel it slow down the file and your processes and everything. But yeah, totally. Then you then you have you're up to like thirteen characters in one file, yeah, and there is no escaping it because this all needs to be done within one file. This is all one camera angle and they're all kind of interacting at one point. Um, Yeah. So what we had ended up being like so slow that it was not really practical to put stuff on top of that and try to look at it in VR in real time. Uh, And that was just because of the size of the file itself. But I think in um like if you if we take this and, and push it a little bit further, it could be really interesting to see what comes out of it.
1: Yeah. And uh that also, as you said, the complexity of this file brings us to how do we make the world work, like at 360 degrees. So I would like to ask yeah. Andy, how do <laughs> Andy. you bring the whole world of Caminandes into a nice uh, immersive three sixty view? Shift
2: D shifty shifty. <laughs> Just
1: totally like that. No, I mean
3: the the reason why we said we would do this is because I th- like in, from my point of view it's because the layout was done in a way that it was uh, uh, an entire set and everything was connected. So even though we had different camera angles in the set and sometimes uh, the positions shifted slightly, we uh, I think you Hjalty made like something that belongs together. So there's there's an actual distance between the tracks and the llama yeah, and, yeah. and it's it's a real place yeah. so I Even mean
0: though the llama keeps running over the same spot
3: again exactly yeah but yeah but in that sense it was done like there was almost no cheat except for uh, characters in relation to the camera of course um so yeah and and that in that way it was a very good starting point because we only had to really take the layout set and transfer that into a real... Uh, a renderable uh, set that looks good. Yeah. Which uh, I, I I would I would guess that's trivial trivial at that point because we were uh, fresh out of the production of Commanders. We had all these sets and we had all these ground layers and assets. We could just put them there and uh, make them work. So um, the first thing that uh, I mean, we ha- all of us. We have never worked in this kind of medium before. So the first thing that I really uh, tried to get familiar with that was to take one of the shots that we had uh, and that is already a 360 degrees environment um, and, and make that render in VR. And that was the cave environment because uh, there's this one shot where they drop into the cave and they drop uh, down on the tracks and there's this huge spark flying. That was done as a as a 360 set just because there is a camera pan happening there. And of course, because we knew that at some point we would have to do something in VR.
0: <laughs> it was so cool yeah. <laughs> to see that.
3: So um, I, I was able to render that. I followed a great tutorial from uh, Sebastian Koenig because uh, they are actually using the stuff to make VR demos. Uh, and uh, I, I I rendered out a 4K image in stereo and put it in their app, Pre. Um, and uh, I was able to look around, and that's totally amazing to to finally see, kind of be immersed in the world. Of course, you're holding a kind of weird cardboardy thing with your cell phone in front of your nose. you are in looking. the
0: future, man. We're living in the future.
3: <laughs> so yeah, it's it's still a bit clunky. But uh, yeah, that was my first kind of uh, um, get in, way of getting in touch with this world. And then the next thing that we try to do is uh, actually get the animation file that uh, Hjalti worked in and render it because it had some uh, basic setup uh, it had a ground level, it had different uh, very nicely made layout materials where you can <laughs> you can actually distinguish the characters from the background. So we just had to render that with AO and um, it was fairly fast. I mean fast saying that it took like overnight on uh, two of our Intel servers uh, to render the whole thing, but it's uh, about how many frames Fifteen hundred, something like that. So that was that was still very good to preview the whole thing because there's, of course, there's no way to preview it um, in spherical stereo because OpenGL rendering doesn't allow a spherical stereo yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah, that was one of the, the the first hurdles that we had to overcome.
0: Yeah. And in those tests, but I kept uh, stealing his cell phone because my cell phone didn't support this thing yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I... uh, but in those little tests, I was going uh, I was going insane by reviewing the tests and having all these penguins go like whizzing by super fast. And if I saw one doing something wrong, it was hard to differentiate. So I ended up parenting these big ass numbers on top of them in different yeah. colors. So you see these sliding, like penguins come by with all these fancy colored uh, numbers on top of them Ah, that's super cute so i totally derailed you sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh rails that's a good point
3: (laughs) (laughs) so uh on top of the whole complexity of uh, making this whole environment render which is uh i mean it's fine if we've just done that as a movie we have we had a library of rocks and everything we just had to combine everything uh then of course if you do that uh it is not really good for the memory so you end up uh punching a whole uh, load of you're loading a whole bunch of things into the memory and then uh, the computer just uh, goes really really slow um so that of course had to be optimized and then uh there was also some smoke simulation because we had to add the train and we also had to define at which point in the animation the train would be would be visible because I mean, uh, Coral reacts to the sound more in the comic. Uh, in the comic.
0: Yeah, 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 <laughs> the,
4: comic the It's <laughs>
0: really hot
3: in here. My brain yeah. stops
4: working. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh, in the original film, in the original motion picture, <laughs> yeah. Coral reacts to the sound. And then, uh, yeah, we, we get that sound cue. But also at the same time, we see the, the smoke on the horizon popping yeah. up. So that's also something we had to take and take into account, and then we had to make these huge smoke domains uh, because the the train actually covers, let's say, about three hundred meters of distance. So that's the size of the smoke domain for that. So we end up splitting it into three different smoke domains: two for the backgrounds and one for the foreground. So in the foreground, there's actually more high-resolution smoke than in the background, and uh, the train just kind of. Lights through these uh, domains and through some shader magic, it kind of works. Uh, there, uh, the smoke transitions from 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 high res- resolution to low resolution, so it's fine.
2: What is this um, magic?
3: Blend textures. Blend textures.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah. Wow.
3: So, um, yeah, and then there were problems with the pebbles on the tracks, particle issues always always the fun so uh yeah um one thing that we also wanted to do with this uh test is to uh to get a more believable ground interaction because in the movie uh, we we did most of the ground interaction which is Koro uh, stepping into the snow Otti going through the snow um, we did that mostly by hand by sculpting shape keys for the ground
0: when he says we he means him <laughs>
2: and pablo
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, like and uh, pablo. yeah pablo oh, yeah, as well yeah for work fine every like if you had that shot you had to paint the snow yeah. that's yeah. the deal um and what we wanted to try for this is to do it um in a more procedural way because we have uh the thing that i forgot the name for hooves? Dynamic no. Paint?
4: <laughs>
3: That's a dynamic paint. Yes.
0: I'm an idiot, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about like the par- part of the animal that touches the ground.
3: <laughs> dynamic paint! <laughs> so we have dynamic paint and it's awesome and uh, we wanted to use it. So uh, we actually um, well, okay, uh, I put, like, for each penguin there is a sphere and for each of Coro's <laughs> there is uh, a little sphere that actually uh, interacts with the ground and it kind of displaces the ground when Koro touches the snow and that kind of stuff. And also when the characters slide over the ice, the ice kind of uh, gets uh, gets a little scratch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's something that's very, it's very simulation intensive, but once it's done, um, it adds a lot to the scene. Um. totally since it,
2: that was done there were some improvements just a little thing that oh yeah. Now, is, yeah now it should be faster
3: oh yeah right since, I remember end, yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> what was I talking about <laughs> yeah sorry <I> <laughs> all the no 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 all the all the challenges and stuff so uh, in the end it was fine it was just Francesco had to render it and then it wasn't fine anymore because then you realize that rendering one frame is well, nice but, yeah a multitude of frames is not so nice (laughs) anymore
0: yeah so did you put any cool easter eggs in it
3: i'll have to think about it we put some easter eggs in coming under itself the movie yeah Yeah. check out the production files on the cloud to find (laughs) the amazing easter eggs yes i don't think so i forgot
0: oh okay (laughs) there there might be there might be one. When people ask me, it's like, no, man, like, ask the rendering team. Mm-hmm. I can't put anything in there. <laughs> just just working the on world. the animation file.
2: <laughs> we didn't mention all the development that was done by uh, Sergey to optimize all of this, because it, it wasn't. Sure. The, user, the memory usage, you said, it was huge.
1: Yeah. And he improves on VVH stuff, right? Yeah, there is the whole the whole rendering Part of this, I think, is a kind of a separate uh, story because yeah. it, uh, like, from once the animation and uh, the rendering part were completed, then we had the challenge of actually rendering this, and to make it happen within the the timeline, we had to do. Like Sergey worked a lot to make to make the whole process smoother, and then on top of that, we actually had to render it on the uh, Google infrastructure. So there was a a lot of uh, the, the the classic render pipeline part that is uh, uh that was uh, quite involved because the files were really large we rendered at that uh, uh, 4k by 2k yeah. resolution in and all
3: the, directions even yeah
1: and it yeah. was a stereo so we had a lot of uh, very large frames uh, and uh, the resolution was high so the render times were rather high so we had to try and optimize that and uh, to preview that uh, sergey developed a uh, implemented a little hack that would uh, make the sampling of the image be uh, discrete depending on the on, on, on the, uniform, I guess. Yeah, uh, mm. exactly. Depending on uh, whether we were getting closer to the poles uh, of yeah. the of the uh, the spherical renders, and also we work with the resumable renders feature, which allows to. Uh, render in chunks basically we, we we were able to render the the final the final uh, uh, sample count was uh, uh, 1600 or 1800 mm-hmm. and then we were able to uh, render in chunks of 300 or 600 fra- uh, 600 samples and then uh, merge them together with the compositor so mm-hmm. that uh, allowed us to get the renders quicker and uh, also to check for errors and problems which of course we had especially in the caches and the uh, other like glitches and other things that normally happen when we when we are running smoke rendering. caches yeah, yeah smoke caches were 20 over 20 gigs yeah i think well not only smoke caches of course the dynamic paint caches also were not yeah. working correctly that's tiny of course yeah. it was tiny but <laughs> we figured out that sometimes the trails of the penguins were not appearing because smoke caches were missing right. you, can, yeah. you
2: can save inside of Lampa, right <clears throat> the dynamic paint if they're not too big
3: or where Image I think sequences. they're they're always uh in the blend cache folder next to it.
2: No, you can save them inside if you're not unless you use an image sequence.
1: But if it's a vertex data it's stamp, always
3: can... in the blend cache.
1: Yeah, it's like particles. So yeah, that was um Mm, that, check that. that was something that was missing sometimes, so we had to re-render a few times, and uh, it was very interesting. Then there was also something very interesting, which was the whole sound pipeline, because uh, we, uh, of course, needed a new mix. So Sander Hartmann, the sound designer, made a new mix for the different length of the edit, and he also uh, worked on it so that it would work as a ambisonic, which means that in YouTube, uh, you could watch the audio and have uh, um, an immersive experience because it's a spatial audio. So depending on the movement of your device, the audio would actually play in a different way, giving you an effect of being immersed in the space. And that was something we never did before. It was very challenging because there isn't a lot of documentation on the uh, YouTube side, but uh, it was uh, it was very good to do. And... Uh, also uh, something I wanted to mention previously, this uh, is something that we did uh, uh, more than three, four months ago. So for us, this is just a very big recollection of the, the things that happened. And then the final steps of the rendering and the finalizing everything for the publishing, those happened in the past weeks. So that's why we went uh, a bit silent with this. But uh, now, yeah, it's uh, it, it happened some time ago. And uh, again, the, the goals of this uh, whole project were to uh, make Blender more suitable for this kind of workflows. And uh, overall, we are very happy with what happened. And uh, uh, people are already using the improvements that went into Blender, especially from the rendering yeah. point of view, to yeah. make it uh, faster, to make it more efficient and to allow things that before they were only possible in a branch that was uh, developed by Dalai Felinto. He did a lot of work. He has always been very involved with this uh, in these technologies. And now it's a master. So uh that uh, is 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 great for everyone that is doing VR nowadays, which is a lot of people that are still exploring this medium. So we are very happy with how the project turned out and uh, also with how uh, Google supported us with the uh, with the production and uh, now is out there for uh, since a couple of days. And uh, we hope uh, uh, people share it and look yeah, at it and yeah, check
0: it out, share it with all your friends and neighbors and your neighbor's dogs. And exactly people yeah. walking so. by,
2: and you <laughs> get the files on the cloud so you can study how it's done.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, that's uh, I think that was uh, that was it. So if you have more questions and if you want us to talk about uh, uh, specific topics for the for this production, please let us know i will try uh, to remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember it was, yeah. yeah. Probably do the same. Open the files and look at them. Okay, how was it? How mm. was that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, until the next week with another episode of the Blender Institute podcast. See you. See you. Uh, Bye-bye.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the Blender Institute podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your dancing llama lacking reality? Try Virtual Insanity on the
4: cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org.